You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. Not that we're here. It's time for the player evaluations, the player capsules. Yes, we're going to get here. started because there is going to be a lack of content over the next month or so <laughs> because of the way that it affects the Hornets, not necessarily NBA content. We're probably going to get some more, or we'll probably get some more as we get closer to the actual restart. Yes. Going to take place in just a couple of weeks from now. But the Hornets on the outside looking in, perhaps we can down the road talk about any kind of second bubble, but we are getting into the meat of the player evaluations we are actually going to start them today and we're going to lead off with terry rogier and you have dubbed these player capsules really the purple and teal table talk as you like to talk uh, call them you're you're welcome you're Mm -hmm. welcome everybody i I figure we're going to bring a little the um how would i say this ethnic side to this (laughs) again we're going to have some entanglements we're going to have some arguments we're going to have some discussions and we encourage you to tweet us with your ideas your con again your arguments uh, just be respectful because I will block you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is true from you. You are hell on Twitter. You are yes. not of the scribe. If you want to partake in a battle or just with even just looking at his Twitter handle and his timeline whatsoever, it's hell to kind of look at and try to make sense all of what Nada is putting out there. Um, yes. But nonetheless, it's a great one to follow again at not of the scribe. <laughs> Anyways, so let, let's start with Terry Rogier today, Nada. And real quickly before we start to set the purple and teal table, one thing I want to talk about is how we're going to attack this in the past what we've done is we've kind of done three segments past present and future on each of these players yes we have so many young guys on this team that i don't know how much sense it makes to dive into their past because we're talking so many young guys where are we really going to dive into the nevada days with the martin twins do we want to go to the san diego state days with Jalen mcdaniels do we want to go to no. Devonte's rookie year maybe a little bit but right like there's so many young guys i think what we do is for each of these player evaluations, we just go by the numbers, try to make sense of what those numbers mean mm-hmm. from what happened last year, maybe going forward. The second segment, we can reserve for storylines, what we saw this past season. And then in the third segment, we can just leave that open in case there are any NBA updates, leave it open for some of the stuff that's happened around the league. Yeah, I think I think that's what we're basically going to do. I figure we also leave ourselves open if people want to show up, like famous people or semi-famous people or Hornets famous people people yes. want to show up and talk to us about the season that they experienced. We've so. got a couple of guests in the works, so hopefully they will be able to join us as well. It won't be, I wouldn't imagine, every single day the next month and a half or so on just player evaluations. We will continue to go get some guests. We have a couple in the works, so stay tuned here on the Locked on Hornets podcast to kind of dive into some of the analysis from Hornets famous people. I kind of like that hashtag Hornets famous. Yeah, Hornets famous. Um, yes. 
All right, let's get into Terry Rozier. And not, I think what we're going to do besides Terry is we're going to put all the other names in a, a wheel of names, random generator. Yes. Because I don't want to get rid of all of the first names at the beginning, and then we end up with some of the guys that you might not be as interested in. But yeah. I did like starting off with Terry Rozier because it is a guy that was so polarizing this year. Just your overall yeah. thoughts on the season. Just give me your overall thoughts on the kind of season that he had. Not looking into the numbers, just when you first hear Terry Rozier, 2019, 2020, first ever Hornet season what do you think of not as bad as people want to as his detractors say he was but he wasn't as good as the people that were in his corner say he was Mm -hmm. and I think when we start talking about Terry Rozier we also have to start thinking that his position really isn't as a point guard he's more of the two guard he's more the undersized two guard that we think Malik Monk may turn into But when we start talking about this and when we start having these discussions about where Terry Rozier fits, I um, it's hard to say that he's part of the future plans when he's on a three year deal, you know, and I wonder is he going to be on this team next year at the trade deadline? So let's let's talk about that in the second segment, but I'm with you. And when you bring up how we kind of learned Terry Rozier's position on a team. I agree with you. I think what we saw from, and these numbers kind of demonstrate that. So let's dive into some of the stats that are are interesting in my opinion. So very much hot and cold, trick or treat type of Terry Rozier season. If you look at the stats, Terry Rozier had a career high in points per game, field goal percentage, true uh, shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage, but also had a career-worst assist-to-turnover ratio Mm -hmm. as the minutes and the usage went up for Terry Rozier in his first Hornet season. And some of the defensive numbers were really bad when trying to evaluate him on that end of the floor. So you've got hot and cold Terry Rozier here. One, offensively, I think Terry did a good job, especially scoring the basketball. Yes. But actually facilitating, it's something I talked about quite a bit this season. I thought his shot selection got better as the year went on. I still don't think it was amazing. I do think it got better. I also think the pick and roll decision making got a little better. It's still something that I had some problems with, but overall, I did think it got a little better. Here's the thing with the pick and roll. He had never done really pick and roll because you don't really do it that much in the Brad Stevens offense. And we saw, ironically, Kemba Walker, a guy we talked about last show, have to adjust to getting his shot off more on isolation and spread out. So when you see a guy like Terry Rozier have to adapt to the pick and roll, we did see him get better. And as long as much as the shot selection, and this is something that you just hit on, he tried to shoot like he had something to prove last year at the beginning of the season. Like he tried to live up to that contract. And I think... That's what got him in trouble initially when we start talking about his stats last season. And so some of that can be in the narrative-based segment that we have in the second segment, but we can go to Terry Rozier's comments about pre- and post-All-Star break. As we continue to focus a little bit more on the numbers, Terry Rozier shot the best he ever has in his career, like I said, at 42.3% from the field. He also shot 40.7% from three, but he also had the worst defensive rating of his career by far, not at 115, according to basketball reference. It was 113, according to NBA.com. So the Celtics having him being with the Celtics, he never had that bad of a defensive rating and a defensive rating. Isn't the end all be all like, it's really hard to use 
any defensive metric and say that's how good or bad he was any player with what they did in the past season or even their career but he wasn't very good like I had problems even watching him on the court and the defensive rating for him this season it was so much worse than really any year that he put up with the Celtics well it's a lot harder to defend when you don't have Al Horford basically barking out the like as much as I like and st- getting short Williams he's not Al Horford and in terms of defensive players and defensive bigs um the other numbers to go to is this season the hornets were a uh minus 4.6 points per 100 possessions with both mm-hmm. rogier and Devonte graham on the floor compared to just a minus 2.6 when graham played without terry rogier what do you read into that stat again minus 4.6 points per 100 possessions with rogier and graham on the floor compared to just a minus 2.6 when it was just graham and no terry rogier We'll say uh, this is a partial preview for whenever we get to Devontae, but I would probably tell you that if that's the case, then that stat initially tells me neither one of those guys can be your best player on the floor if you're going to be a playoff team. Neither one, and I think we've seen that. But what also it tells me is that neither one of them are really that good defensively, and you're going to need better defensive players if you're going to try to build around one or both going forward. When we talked about Terry Rozier, um, I, I believe maybe it was just a month ago, we brought you in on this subject, Nada, before you were a permanent co-host once again. It was John Hollinger of The Athletic who said that Terry Rozier was projected to him as a minimum guy, a minimum contract guy. Like he went down the list of some of the worst contracts in the NBA. And I think we all kind of disagreed with him having him as the fifth worst contract in the NBA at this point with some stipulations that you have no rookie contracts and Mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, But he said, quote, I have Rozier projected as a minimum guys last season in Charlotte wasn't good. And the one before in Boston wasn't or was legitimately bad. That's probably too harsh considering he's 26 and has had had some strong seasons in his track record also Rogier still averaged 18 points per game and shot a career high 40.7 percent from three this season for the Hornets but he rates so badly mainly because defensively he was a crushing disappointment and that was supposed to be his strength coming out of Louisville so you look at the defensive metrics they're the things that kill what Terry Rogier did this season and it's not putting enough to me on the offensive end allow me to transition into one of the other fascinating stats to me this mm-hmm. year nada how about this i thought this was really interesting terry rogier finished first in the nba number one among nba players who took at least 50 attempts in the clutch when it came to true shooting percentage he shot 70.6 percent with chris paul finishing second at 68.1 percent so when it came to true shooting percentage in clutch time yes terry rogier led every single NBA player that at least took 50 attempts in that specific category, leading a guy like Chris Paul, who had a fantastic kind of resurrection season with Oklahoma City. And I think you saw that in the second half. Terry Rozier did a good job at the end of games. Now, maybe it wasn't the last shot because there are a couple last shots that Devontae Graham delivered on that Terry did not in certain instances. But when it came to being the guy that got you in that situation, there were some times that Terry Rogier really delivered. And I thought that true shooting percentage was kind of fascinating to no, look at. It's very fascinating. And when you start, when you start thinking about it, how many times did you remember, especially in the second half of the season, Terry Rogier getting to the line and shooting free throws, because there are a lot of times where he'd go, go up, get fouled, hit two free throws, put them closer. And that doesn't even factor into this true. I'm sorry. Yes, it does factor into true shooting. <laughs> I forgot about that part, but I think when we start talking about, the free throw shooting percentage and the ability for him to hit free throws in the clutch, I think that is one of the more underrated things because as you were, again, everybody remembers that silly stat about being what, only having five clutch wins in three seasons 
with Clifford and Kemba. That's right. And then you match that in one season. Now, granted, it's not sustainable, but at the same time, the fact that Terry Rozier contributed to that tells you something about his mental makeup and something that can be, I would say, marketed in terms of a trade going forward. It's not like he had a it's not like he had a better free throw trip rate this season because he did have almost ten minutes more per game than he ever averaged in his career, and he only averaged just really uh um, it looks like just one free throw attempt this season more than what he ever had in his career. But the dude shot a lot better this year from the free throw line. He shot 87% from the free throw line. The second best he ever shot was 80% on just 0.3 attempts per game in his rookie season. So here's a guy that absolutely was already a good free throw shooter. Exactly. And he became one of the best free throw shooters, even with not a crazy amount of attempts, but certainly minimum and, and a lot of qualifiers. So somebody that shoots 87% and, and shot that well from three, like scoring the ball, not a, I do think we can transition into kind of his role, right? Like this yes. is a guy that I think absolutely was helped with Devonte Graham becoming what he was. I think that Devonte Graham was also helped with the fact that Terry Rozier kind of blossomed into somebody that was really good at catching the ball and shooting on the catch and shoot. He had an excellent mm-hmm. percentage in what he did this season. And it was somebody that kind of looked like a guy that maybe his significant role in the NBA, his best role is an offensive spark plug that you can bring off of the bench and really be someone that if you need offense quick, fast in a hurry, that's a guy that looks like he can come in and help you right away. And maybe you bring in somebody else as the facilitator. If you're trying to sacrifice defense and you need offense really quickly, maybe that's his best role because he did a good job at shooting the basketball this season. And offensively, I think really did help this team maybe in that specific spot. I think he honestly helped them. I think with Terry Rozier, I think we're going to find out his best role is being that Jason Terry, that Lou Williams type of guy that comes off the bench and just lights it up for you, goes, raises hell on the court, and then goes back on and goes back on the bench. But he's a part of your clutch six again, your two minute t- team. So the big thing about him for me is, yes, we need to find out what his role is. But at the same time, while we're figuring, trying to figure that out for him or maybe figuring that out in terms of a new destination for him, we also kind of need to figure out exactly what Devontae's role long-term is because I'm not sure everybody penciling him in as a long-term starter is exactly correct with that either. You know what else is extremely clutch, Nada? It's rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and you can go to rockauto.com today to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck you can write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com some of the storylines surrounding terry rogier and what happened this past season coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets like you can't drop a name like anthony tolliver into the middle of a ring it's like dropping a piece of savory juicy meat 
in, in a lion cage. You know, if you drop Anthony Tolliver's name into this conversation, I'm gonna attack that. it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna rip it up. I know that. I know that. Once, hey man, you gotta stay away from Anthony Tolliver. It's gonna make Doug into a rabid dog. I'm tall over it. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I think those numbers did demonstrate Terry Rozier being best served to be the starting shooting guard. Even if he is small offensively, this is a guy that when we saw his usage percentage go up, when we saw him take on those point guard responsibilities, we saw an assist to turnover ratio that went down and quite a bit. Nada. When he was facilitating the basketball, he had some good passes. I don't think that every single decision that he made in the pick and roll was awful. I just thought that he was pretty hot and cold within the pick and roll. He was. And when he settled for, and when he was a guy that was put more at the two spot, I think you start to see him flourish a little bit more. And it's why I think Devonte Graham's emergence while it might have affected him in the first part of the season. I do think that long term, that was probably better for a guy like Terry Rozier, who moves more to the two spot than playing the point guard. And when we talk about some narrative based stuff, here's a guy in Terry Rozier that signs an $18 million a year contract with the Hornets to maybe not fill the shoes of Kimba Walker, but a guy to be the point guard and make and make that next step. Try to make yeah. that ne- uh, that next step and and make a name for himself. And I, I think you saw him have some success, but then he gets pushed to a different position because Devontae Graham becomes that guy yeah. that is going to be the point guard possibly of the future, a better facilitator, a better decision maker, in my opinion, than what Terry Rozier was last year with mm-hmm. the ball in his hands. And so it's funny to see how when Doug and I talked about this quite a bit, who benefited from who more. I would say Terry Rozier benefited more from Devontae. But oh, I do, do not agree with that. I, I, think, I think so. I think Terry Rozier benefited in a way that maybe he didn't like at first, but I do think we saw Terry Rozier as a guy who we know what his role is now, partly because, in large part, because Devontae was somebody that came in on fire at the beginning of the season, and we're like, okay, this is a backcourt that works well for our situation because Terry is such a good guy on catching and shooting the basketball, whereas Devontae, he's going to be the point guard of the future if we have one on this team. And here's where I partially disagree. I think with what happened with Devontae Graham, if Devontae Graham showed the progress that he that he was capable of all this, Terry Rozier is never signed here. So there's that. There's also the fact that Terry Rozier, that Devontae Graham is allowed to basically be under the cover of of basically Terry Rozier and that that signing, and then Devontae Graham can toil away in quiet with no expectations. All the expectations when it came out to this season were going to be on Terry Rozier no matter what. Now, granted. That helps some people, some other players. It may not necessarily help. Now that the focus and the spotlight is going to probably be more on Devontae Graham, more so than Terry Rozier, we're going to see that going forward. But I think when it comes to Terry Rozier, I think he did a lot in terms of providing covering expectations for a whole bunch of guys, P.J. Washington included at some point. So when we start thinking about that, when we start going in that route of, or when we start just start thinking about this, Probably the one bit, the biggest thing that Terry Rozier provided was cover for a lot of guys. And at the same point, this is where I also feel bad for Terry Rozier, is that you got to think his his career starts. It is going berserk, mm-hmm. and he's he's preventing him from from doing anything there. Then Kyrie comes in. Then at this point, you're being traded for Kemba, 
and now you're expecting this starting job to be all your own, and then Devontae comes along. So I don't blame Terry Rozier for being a little bit reticent to change and switch up what he was trying to do because at that point, you got to be looking at the sky wondering why me. Well, at, at, he didn't have a choice to change what he had to do, right? Because if you're the Hornets, you're not sitting Devontae Graham after what he was doing at the beginning because Devontae did not start the season. Remember, it was a guy that was on the bench, but because when he would come in and light the league on fire as he was doing, yes, then of yes. course you're going to have to play that guy more minutes. The second half of the season, or the first half of the season, I should say, Devontae was at least in the all-star conversation. There were national NBA pundits out here caping for him to make a reserve spot for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. And I agree. So it's not like Terry had a shot or, or he didn't even have a say. I, I'm with you in the fact that what Terry could have done is taken a flamethrower to the locker room and said, no, I'm supposed to be the point guard. Who's the second rounder that's coming to take my job? That's the, making much, much less than I am. Okay, sure. On the flip side of that, though, that makes Terry look awful. Like it was the right decision to hone in on your craft. I, I give him credit for it. But also, if Terry were to come out here and start complaining about his quote-unquote uh, decreased role. I, I don't even know if decreased is even the right word. It's just him not having the point guard responsibilities. Well, we saw something that Terry Rozier did really well at. And I think in large part because of the way that Devontae Graham came onto the scene. And so I think even if Terry didn't like it at first, like I, I admit, I, I can understand why this would be somebody that is going through some mental trials and tribulations because of the way that there is a role that's changed for him. But in the end, it's hard for me to say that that wasn't for the the best for Terry Rozier like we found his role nada yeah but no he found his role but at the same time he didn't have to be as accepting of it as we have we've seen NBA players and especially especially with that situation in Boston being what it was for Terry Rozier and this is where I will defend him a little bit on this he didn't have to change because again he was told by by IT by the folks that loved IT the big man big man with the big contract matters more he was told again he was told Kyrie mattered more and then when he gets his shot and then the second rounder comes up and usurps his position, I would have been the same way. I could have, I could have seen him easily take a flamethrower to that. And he's done it before. He had it in his – remember, they were – He was vocal. Yeah, He was very vocal about this. So I don't necessarily blame him. I'm, again, I'm glad that he showed the growth and maturity to accept a new role, but he didn't have to do that. And he could have easily taken a flamethrower to this locker room. Well, it is interesting because it is because it is quite the personality change from what we all expected from Terry mm -hmm. because of what we were told up in Boston. Yep. Now Boston is dramatic; they're crazy. And Terry Rozier gave him some content to work with. Let's not get it too twisted, but. Terry Rozier had to deal with Kyrie Irving. It's a good point to bring up with Isaiah Thomas because it's like Terry always had a point guard that was in front of him mm -hmm. um, through really the entirety of his tenure up with the Celtics. But that whole Terry Rozier is somebody that is going to cause some drama thing. I remember talking about this with the Locked On Celtics host, John Corrales, and it had been probably a couple months into Terry's tenure with the Charlotte Hornets before we actually got really started with the game. Maybe it was within a month or so, and Terry hadn't done anything. Like The, the most mm -hmm. drama that we saw was when Terry wasn't listening to James Borrego when he was heading back to the bench. It, yes. it, looked, it looked like some frustration, but nothing came from that. It was the, the, mind, it was the most small of blips on the radar that you could um, try to see and, and try to bring up for Terry Rozier's drama. And that was it. And, and John Corrales told me, I, I told him like, yeah, we haven't seen much. And he's like, no, that'll change. You know, you're, you're going to get something at this point this season, at some point this season. And we did it, nada. Nope. Like we, nope. we can see that behind closed doors, this was somebody that was dealing with some mental stuff. But, and he brought that to light in the exit interviews that we had just a couple months ago. 
but he didn't bring it to the limelight. It's not somebody that voiced his problems in public, and that was something that was different than what he did in his Boston Celtics days. And it's funny you mention that because the one thing that the biggest memory I have for Terry Rozier this year came off the court. It, in fact, it came what about a month ago in June, July. Everybody was sitting out there at those um, at the protests. I can't. I believe yeah. it was the NAACP one, and two players from the Hornets showed up. It, Nick Batum was one. Terry Rozier was the other. Well, I think Nick, yeah, Nick Batum, that's right. Nick Batum, again, those two were out there. Terry Rozier loves this place. So when we start thinking about, hey, maybe we need to move on from people, this, that, and the third, I would love to have a conversation with Terry and figure out what he learned Mm -hmm. in terms of his one year in Charlotte and how much he loves this place. Because it sounds from, you don't show up to things like that, especially in the middle of COVID, if you do not love the city that you're in. And that's one thing I would just love to continue to have a conversation with him about. Let's talk about the future for Terry Rogier before we go to the final segment. So Terry Rogier, you have as a question here in the rundown, not about him possibly being a trade piece. And it is a fascinating discussion because I don't think that in order to take the next step for this Hornets team, you can have Terry Rogier and Devontae Graham as your starting backcourt. No, I, I, it was fun. Offensively, you can have some real fun, especially with the way that we saw Terry start to settle in his role and Devontae settle in his. I think offensively, you started to see some good stuff. Defensively, it can't work. And, and I wonder even the kind of stability that you might have offensively with those two guys in the backcourt. Yeah. So when we talk about who's going to stick with this team, Devonte is the guy that if you had to make me choose who I'm cho- who I'm going to pick as a pillar, like Devonte's the guy for me. I'm going to choose Devonte Graham. I, I still think he probably had the better season between the two, even if he really tailed off in the second half. So sure. you have two years of Terry Rozier's contract left on the books. It is a decreasing value contract, but it's not much. Just goes down one million each of the next two seasons. Mm-hmm. I always think when you try when you sign a player, what dictates how good it is or how bad it is, it's whether you can trade that contract for equal value or even more value. And, or do you have to get rid of it for pennies on the dollar just because the real value here is getting rid of the contract? And not a, even with John Hollinger, who put that article out saying that Terry Rogier he sees as a, a league minimum contract, I truly think that there would be a team out there that if he does this again, right? If we're talking about Terry Rogier putting up another 42% from the field season and with model a model citizen yep. and, and a 40% from three type season. I, I think that there would be a team out there that'd be willing to give you almost equal value for Terry Rogier and his contract, maybe be a guy off of the bench, especially if you're only talking about him being on the books, at least at this point for two more years. And if you're talking about a trade later on, then it's a year and a half or just a year left. It's an expiring. Like that's a contract to me that can get equal value on the trade market. And for me, I don't hate that deal because of the way that I think you can, you don't have to settle for pennies on the dollar in any kind of transaction. Here's the other thing that I've, again, and this is something I'll continue to bring up because we do not know the financial of what the NBA is going to be next year. You have a guy for cost certainty for under $20 million that can either start for you or be a vital bench piece for you going forward. That's going to, that's going to value. There's some value with that. Let's say you're an LA Lakers team and you still don't have the point guard that you're looking for and you have enough expiring salaries to where you can make it work or Kuzma finally plays his way out of that, out of that lineup and you can eventually trade Kuzma in a big, big contract to bring him here. There are guys that I would probably want to bring on here. And I think the big thing with a guy like, Terry Rozier for me is this, is that at some point 
Like, and I would say next trade deadline, whenever that may be, he's got cost certainty to him to a point where he makes it he makes it make sense for a lot of teams, even under twenty million dollars. And I would argue to say, and this is where I disagree with Hollinger, especially when we start talking about bad contracts. The Ricky Rubio side, the, even though he's making five million less, I would probably still take Terry Rozier ten times out of ten over a guy like Ricky Rubio. And I think the Suns will regret not really signing Terry at long term. So Terry is going to be making 18.9 next season. The following is going to be making 17.9 again. And that would be a contract that is decreasing in value. You talk about that being an expiring. I just think, again, this can be a trade that could provide some kind of equal value in return. And I wonder if that's something the Hornets would actually do because maybe they be they might be looking to move on from Terry where they I don't know what kind of picks or maybe a younger player that a team might be willing to give up in that scenario. Mm-hmm. If, if Terry does something traditional stats similar to what he did this year as well as let's say he doesn't even have to shoot 70 percent true shooting if he does like 55 in the clutch again and he shows that he can make big shots and big time moments with a good percentage overall from that specific spot someone on the calls, court yeah someone I, comes calling next trade deadline if that's the case I, that's someone it. comes calling tra- next trade deadline with some real well, assets yeah when you talk about scoring it's an interesting name to bring up once the deadline hits maybe next season all right we'll take a quick break we'll come back the charlotte hornets they were listening to our podcast and decided to make some changes and some uh, some decisions that are going to affect the community. We'll talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Develop winning habits. You know what winning habits are? Scoring things in the box score. That's what winning habits are. You compete. Rebounds, when you, assists. Yeah, when you compete, points. you get rebounds. When you compete, you get assists. When you compete, you score points. It's not you about effort. The it's about competing. <laughs> Hey, you want to be back on the show, baby. I got you, Doug. You want to be back on the show. This is me. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One of the first shows that we did when you became a permanent co-host once again, it was just a couple weeks ago, still brand new here with this transition. Yes. We talked about the Atlanta Hawks and using their arena as a polling place for the next election. And we thought that it would be a good idea for the Charlotte Hornets to do the same exact thing with mm-hmm. the Spectrum Center, that what was holding them back from doing so. And then you brought up, I thought, were some really good points about how that it's, it's easy to get to because of the way that the, the monorail, it, it's right there. The light rail is right there, and it's one of the stops that's easy. You know, it, it, it's right there next to the Spectrum right across, Center. Right across the street from yep. the Transportation Center. It makes too much sense for them not to do it, ever, really. So a couple of days ago, we saw that the Charlotte Hornets had actually thought about that, and now they're in talks of making it an early polling place. The Charlotte Hornets and the city of Charlotte are in talks about providing Spectrum Center as an early polling place for the November 11th election, the Uptown Arena on 5th Street would provide a massive space allowing for social distancing for voters. And there's an ad that comes up as I'm trying to read this from Rick Bennell. The Uptown Arena on 5th Street would provide a massive space allowing for social distancing for voters in response to the novel coronavirus pandemic. Continuing more from Rick Bennell's article detailing the situation, he also says, quote, the facility is owned by the city and managed by the Hornets. It has not been used for public events since the NBA paused its season on March 11th. And then he would go on to talk about how the Atlanta Hawks, Detroit Pistons, and the Sacramento Kings um, are also providing their facilities for the upcoming elect- uh, election cycle. What do you make of the Charlotte Hornets doing this, Nada? Because they're clearly listening yeah, to yeah, us. Yes, yes. And, and we are the ones that I think can take responsibility in all of this. No, we should really just go and party. And granted, it is a Monday, <laughs> but we should go and party. And we should honestly, 
like I thank them for I thank whoever had the idea of making this a polling place. My only quibble with it is this should be an every year thing because if I'm not mistaken, they also the Hornets made an announcement that they're giving election day off. They're treating all their employees to election day off. So if election day, there's no one going to be working that day. And if it looks like the NBA is going to that route of we are going to not schedule games on election day then the next best thing is to now make that a permanent polling place. I think one year is not good enough for them. And it makes me, it makes me bring up something of uh, John Lewis, who passed over the weekend, and his idea of causing good trouble and the idea of civic duty. And I would say Michael Jordan, who has been criticized before and previously for not being politically active, now he's put two clinics in the blackest areas of Charlotte. He's beautified a whole bunch of parks in the blackest areas of Charlotte where billionaire, other billionaires fear to tread. And now he is making his arena one of those places where people, poor people or whomever can go and vote in an early voting scenario and make it easier to go to work and vote at the same time and allow people of Charlotte to do their civic duty a little bit easier. I would probably say he's making up for Republicans buy shoes too, and I just wish it would die at this point. Well, and and something that I, I think there was some deserved criticism because when you talk about, it, it's funny because you do have the issue of race becoming a political issue with the way mm-hmm. things are happening right now, and it's why that these teams feel compelled to open their arenas for early polling places and polling destinations. There's a reason for that because this is their way that they feel they can help the Black Lives Matter movement because black lives are not being represented in a way that they should based on police brutality as well in the political picture and the overall picture so i love that the hornets are doing this and you're right nada like look at what michael jordan has done within the last couple of years even before the emphasis of the black lives matter movement as it pertains to the response of george floyd even before that you talk about opening clinics up as well as in the response to george floyd michael jordan is out here donating 150 mil total 10 mil a year that is a significant amount of money that is a crazy amount of money and here's just the latest demonstration from michael jordan and the charlotte hornets in that this is awesome like i i I just like the way that we are seeing michael jordan start to be a little bit more vocal even if it's not with his words but it is with his actions a little bit exactly and the thing is i think if we paid attention more to the actions and the words we'd get a little bit further in this jordan discussion I think there's a very interesting discussion to be had. And maybe one day we'll have it on this podcast. And that may be the last discussion I ever have. But still, I would say that when we start talking about the actions of the Hornets and we start talking about the actions of one Michael Jordan, I would argue there's been no billionaire to better represent Charlotte than Michael Jordan, unfortunately. And that's depending on if you think billionaires are a good thing or a bad thing. But again, that's also a discussion for another time. Yeah, David Tepper over as well. And and there are some good things that David Tepper has done with Carolina. And that's what we talked about. We've talked about that the last time we discussed this particular issue before it actually happened, that the Hornets would open up the Spectrum Center as an early polling place. You do have two owners here with the two professional sports teams in Charlotte, the two mm-hmm. big boy professional sports teams here in Charlotte, actually contributing in a way that I do think is certainly helpful.
That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to rockauto.com for supporting the show. Thanks to you guys for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow with another player capsule. Oh, one thing real quickly. Do you want to do the Wheel of General? I forgot. Yeah, let's we gotta do, do it. it. All right, we got it. I don't even know what player it's going to be. I tried to give you the spiel. I tried to give you the script on how we end the show, but we have a Wheel of Names random generator to dictate who we are going to talk about in the next episode. So I'm going to click on it. The random wheel of names is spinning. We have all the players that are listed there. It's taking a little longer to do so. And it is now going to be Bismack Biombo yes. as our next player evaluation. So tomorrow we will be with you in evaluating Bismack Biombo and doing that player capsule. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.